Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. You might not know this about me, but I get very excited at the prospect of, of having the privilege and the opportunity to preach. It's still something that excites me. I continually try and study and read up to get better at it. So thank you for allowing me the time that I can do this. Thank you for your attention. And thank you for taking out your notebooks and your ESVs. Father, I ask you for the ability this morning to speak to your children your truth that is relevant to them, God. I pray, God, that you remove from me opinions that I think is relevant and I think is good. And that you will speak through me, Holy Spirit. I thank you for the privilege we have as a church to read your word together. We hold it in high regard, Lord. We don't take it for granted. Father, and I pray now through your Holy Spirit to, to create a hunger in every person here for your word. That they will fall in love with hearing what you have to say in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen to this quote that uh, somebody sent me. We may well say, especially to young converts, read Romans to be grounded in Christian doctrine. Everybody say, yeah, because we've preached through Romans. Read Corinthians to be guided in Christian practice. And read Galatians to be guarded against deceptive error. Nice one, eh? Like if you look at Galatians, there is, there, it, it's got that theme to it, that this is a book that reestablishes you in, in God's way. When was the book written? Come on, guys. Lainey gave us a very good. There we go. Thank you, Trevlin. Who wrote it? Apostle Paul. Mm. Galatia is modern day. There we go. Okay, you guys, Lainey, they paid attention. Well done, eh? They paid attention. Well done. So I, I looked at this, the book, and I get to do Galatians 2, verse 1 to 10 this morning. And I read it, and I find that I want to give it a title, but then I look at the rest of Galatians, and I think, I can't steal that title because it's, it's going to come, become more prominent when we do the next one. So Galatians, when you read it, you're going to go through this book and you're going to say, I've heard this before. Paul is going around again. He's rehashing something again. And I think it's because Paul understood what it is being human. We need a constant reminder. Okay, I need a constant reminder. I also need some interaction, but that's a separate issue. A constant reminder of what God says. You don't discount it because you've read it before. I'm telling you, if you read something, you said, this sounds familiar. It's probably because God wants you to hear it again at that moment. Read it. So the title I wanted to give something is about something like false doctrine and, and teaching and that, but... For the sake of not stealing from the next person that gets to preach that delicious topic, I'm going to call my title 
Galatians 2, verse 1 to 10. You guys are right with that? Okay. Galatians 2, verse 1 to 10, if you can open your Bible there. But what we have now is that, that do, I, do I have to explain to you that Paul used to be a Pharisee and a quite learned guy, and he, he was very good at observing Mosaic laws, and he started persecuting the Christians because they turned away from the Mosaic law, and God arrested him with a, a, a bright light. You guys understand that portion, hey? Right, but now we get to Galatians 2. Let's read together. I'm reading from the ESV. In my preparation, I also read the NLT, which this particular portion is fascinating to read in the NLT. The use of words is, is just incredible. So I do also own other translations. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. Then, the word then says to us, that something happened before that. I was single, then I married Molly's. And then my life had more meaning than before. But there was something that came before then. What has happened? He is recounting and remembering how things happened, how his journey transpired when he writes this letter to the Galatians. Hey, guys. I was persecuting the church. Then I was on a donkey. Then I saw a light. Then I couldn't see. Then I went. And, and then I went to go and see the, the brothers. And I, I saw Peter and James. And, and then 14 years later, I went to Jerusalem. So this is not, this is him remembering and telling the people. Why am, I, why am I, 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 I emphasizing this? Because do you know that the journey for that church held something of Paul's journey? Because in that then that he remembers would be, then I spread the, the gospel in Galatia, and then the church of Galatia was born. Do you know the history of this church? Do you know what is in our DNA? Do you know the dreams and the purposes that God has given us? 1985. How many years? Where are the mathematicians? 32, 32 years of thens. Then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Remember that concept, we're going to come back to it. I went up to verse 2, because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. In order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Now, now we see, see part of Paul here. And I'm going to take you on a journey here a little bit of the man Paul. So he says, then I, because of a revelation, it's what Laney shared last week. He had a revelation from God. He spoke as that as his basis. Now he says, I'm going to them. I'm going to tell them, this is what I, 
tell the people, are you okay with that? Like if, if I come to you, uh, Terry, why don't you just check if what I'm saying is right? But now you see Paul the strategist. I first spoke to those, and, and then I shared with the rest. You start to see Paul had some strategy in him. He's not manipulative to go and see, well, if, if I check with you, does what I'm saying make sense? Yes. Uh, will you support what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, let's go to the broader audience. But then you also see that he says, what I've shared is not in vain. This man is humble. He wasn't always. He was arrogant, full of himself, found his identity in his, his, his education. And now he's saying, what I have to bring, is, I, don't, I don't know if it's nothing of me. Maybe it's in vain, but God, you will attest to it. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. If I read this, I'm like, Paul, you were a little bit paranoid, bro. False brothers brought in to spy. It sounds like a Hollywood plot. He was human, guys. The author of this book was human just like you and I. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. I love how he, he writes this. He's like, you think people are important before God. We are all the same. May we as a church know that we are all the same. No matter your color, your creed, your gender, you are all the same before God. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, he also worked through me for mine to the Gentile. A secure human. He knows what God has called him to. He's going to go for it. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing we were eager to do. I hope when I read the word and I interrupt it with my own thoughts, I'm not distracting you from reading it. But what this oak is saying is, I wasn't sure all the time that, that they would say, sure, go for it, Paul. But I have checked with them. And they say, according to my understanding, I am representing the gospel of Jesus Christ in a pure way. This was before the Council of Jerusalem. Why is that relevant? What happened at the Council of Jerusalem? Attend theology. <coughs> and you will know. But that's when they decided, should the new Christians... 
the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, what should they do to be Christians? At that stage, it was the, the, the nation of Israel and the rest of the world. Seems that way still today, doesn't it? But when he speaks of Gentiles and circumcised, he's talking about Jews and, and people that are non-Jews. That's what he's saying. And at the, the Council of Jerusalem, they decided, what must you observe of the Mosaic law to be called a Christian? And they decided very, very little. Do not eat food offered to idols. Do not eat the blood. And abstain from sexual immorality. Broad strokes. Go read it in Acts 15. But my points are, are linked to verses today because my title is linked to a portion of Scripture. So point number one, what is your revelation? Verse two, I went up because of a revelation set before me. What is your revelation? This man was so convicted that he would take on the leaders of the time, the authorities of the time, because of this revelation. I'm asking you, what light has gone on for you in your journey of Christianity? How recently have you listened and thought about the revelation that you have in your journey? When last did you remind yourself about the, the day that, that you had a revelation of who Jesus is? This word revelation is the word that Hollywood has taken from us and made movies that scare us, I can't say to death, but it just scares us. The apocalypse. And we all watch these movies and we're fearful because, oh, the end is coming. You know what? We should be celebrating when the end comes because Jesus Christ is coming again. And when you've accepted him, you're going to be with him. Getting a little bit excited here, so I'm going to pitch a bit with my voice. I'm so sorry, but it's apocalyptus. That's the word. And it, first of all, it means to reveal what something is that everybody can see it. It is not me standing at the box of cookies peeping. It is me opening the box of cookies and turning it upside down and say, everybody, look at the deliciousness. It's revealed. It's uncovered. That's the first thing that Paul is saying. I've had this experience. What other people had, I have had. And now I want to show the world that the cookies are good. Are you, are you there? Are you excited about the revelation of Jesus Christ? Does it still make you dance and shout and scream in prayer meeting this morning? Somebody said, God, release a spirit of dance. I, I, I don't know, but 
Yo, do you still get excited about Jesus Christ? Not seeing a lot of excitement, but yo, I pray for it. I promise you that. The second thing that that word revelation means is that the person is shown for, for what he is. You have revealed Jesus Christ as the coming Messiah. Paul is basically saying, I saw him as the resurrected one from the dead, Jesus Christ, crucified. He died. He was, he was risen again, and he was ascended. I have seen that. Have you? Are you getting excited about somebody else's Revelation of Jesus. Or are you standing before God saying, I need a revelation of Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Revelation. May this be a revelation to you this morning. That this church... In our DNA, has a love that has got no regard for man. We do not respect man when I'm saying regard. Let me try and position. We have no, we will tell you whether you are wealthy or poor that God loves you. We do not stand with fear of man. In this church. Rigby and Sue that started this church said we will stand against the accepted norm. We will love when it's inconvenient. You know what else? May this be another revelation. This church is called to creative, extravagant worship. Musical worship that knows no bounds, that explodes over all genres. Maybe not metal, but every genre. This church is, in our DNA, has fresh songs and new songs and spiritual songs when we come together. This church stands for a school that do not reject the poor and the downtrodden and the outcast. This church stands for being rooted in the Word of God, completely immersed in His Spirit. So that what doesn't make sense to somebody else, when somebody prays, release the Spirit of dance. Makes sense to us. Because we know we're a people called to dance before the king who is worthy. Even if we look like a bunch of fools. Happen to be only Heath and I, but. Where is your revelation at? Somebody asked me the other day, out of ten, how do you rate yourself? Specific topic, I can't even remember. If I had to ask, ask you, where is your daily revelation? Where is your wants of revelation? Where is your, what number are you at? 
Guys, I'm not happy with my number. I've become so complacent. I can stand here and I can tell you that we as a church believe to know Jesus, to be known by Him, to make Him known. I can tell you that. You want to come and judge me how effectively I am in my community? Different story. Because I've allowed the revelation of the good news about my Savior to drop to a five, maybe a four. This church didn't just change its name from Waverley Covenant to the Dooza to London Road to Love Reaching Community. It is based on a deep conviction that His love has to reach our communities. Do you have a revelation of that? Can you see Jesus? Is it something you will stand to scrutiny for? Was it something like I have to repent of this morning? That I have allowed other things to become more important. I'm not asking you. From an elders, they can keep me to account. I don't want to be so heavenly minded that we are no good here on earth. But are you like a little attack dog that jumps at every opportunity because the revelation of Jesus Christ is massive in your life? The second one is verse 4. Yet, because of false brothers secretly brought in, there is an Illuminati conspiracy here, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ, so that they might bring us into slavery again. Oh my word, how easily it happened. How quick is the slide to valuing something or someone more than the truth? And the next moment, you are its slave. So quickly. We like to say we are free in Christ. Yes? Is that something you would say? No, I'm free. I don't have to do that. Yes? <laughs> you know, it's not me, but somebody else has said, it's freedom is not the fact that you don't have to do something. It is the fact that you can choose to do something. You have the freedom to choose to live up to the scripture that says, Be holy for I am holy. I will sanctify my thoughts. I will renew my mind because 
And I will, I will rehash this like Paul does it every time I can. But I will remind you that we as a church do not believe that we do something to get the approval from God or of God. But we live to please Him because we are approved by Him. We have the freedom to live like sons and daughters that is approved by Him. Oh, sorry. You can worship Him. You can praise Him. You can listen and obey. You can bless others. You can give when it's inconvenient. You can because you are free. But they come with a slight thing that says, but if you have to do that, you're not free. They bring you this half-baked hook brothers that have been placed strategically scalumpies to come and enslave you again. You know what I'm talking about. You know. You are free. Yet you live like a slave. I wrote here false teaching, false teachers, false beliefs. False, te- false teaching, that thing that comes to you and says, Jesus is not the center. The church is. If you like the show, it's good. Because it's about the church. We have to contend with so much media out there. We have to make it a little bit, mm-hmm, nice. I know, that was good. False teaching. It's about Jesus Christ, the center of it all. False teachers. And this is not a comfortable one. I wrote false teachers here that they they just take the spot from God. Treading on toes here, and I'm going to go there. Totally. But when you start quoting me more than God's word, I better fall on my knees and say, God, I repent. Because God will not share his glory. But we live in a society where people are just so comfortable to say, I shall do this because I've read this in a book. You sound like Basil like Manuel from Faulty Towers. Ah, I can speak English. I read it from a book. Take your freedom and read his word and quote that. Because that is the thing that has stood the test of time. You know, one can slip so easily. I will never put myself above that. I remember Peter Howard Brown teaching us in Cape Town that the best thing I can do to my wife is to commit and to admit to her that I can be tempted easily. I can fall like this. Any of us can. Morally wipe out. And then what do you quote? Ooh. Before he had his fall, Johann said this. 
But you can say, but the Word of God says, do not enslave yourself again when He has set you free. False beliefs. Anything that is positioned to you that says, you have to take Jesus and to be reconciled to the Father. You have to take Jesus and to one day be in heaven with Him. That salvation is Jesus plus. Brings me to my third point, which is verse 5. To them, these Skellum brothers, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Ambronians, we do not yield to them in submission for even a moment. So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. That word yield does not just mean you come to the person, you bow, and you get up and go on. It means that you give them constant power over yourself. But it also means that you give them a second thought. We do not yield to them in submission. We stand on the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know that word persevered that's in, in verse 5? It is such a lovely word. It means to continue constantly. Something remains. Is your freedom constant in Christ? Does it remain? I know I'm talking as if I've got it all together. I am beating myself up more than anyone here. And that peace of God just disappears out of your life. Like, oh, what am I going to do? I need to do this. I don't know. The busyness is getting to me. Let's go back to the truth. My questions to us as a people here is, we have, first of all, a revelation of Jesus Christ. I see him lifted high and, and magnified and glorified. Do you have a, not, not just Jesus, meek and mild baby in a crib. Do you see Jesus, the mighty King of kings and the Lord of lords? The second thing, do you know the truth about the gospel? Are you able to take it? With conviction. Do you know the revelation about your life in Him? The second thing is are you allowing His people to come and put slavery on you again?
Or are you choosing to live free? Are you exercising your right of freedom to say, I can't choose to do this? I don't care if you judge me. I'm going to do this. I don't care if the norm is to do, I don't know, whatever. Do you God with everything in you not to yield in submission to that which is not Christ? The last verse here. Verse 10, it says, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here. Will you allow me that? A little bit of license here. Can you take that verse and just apply it a little bit broader? Because I do believe in context they were talking about poor, like financially, without things. But when, when you have the revelation of God and you've got the freedom to do what He has called you to do, and you are guarding not to be dis, distracted by the, the, the scalumpies, that then you are able to go to the poor and give what is needed. When it's money, you give freely. When it's a room for somebody to stay in, you give. When it's food, when it's a car, you do that. But can it be more than that? Can it be those that are poor because they've never heard of Jesus Christ? That you give to them. Can it be that you show them that you are excited to worship and praise and talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can it be that you are going to go to those that are poor in spirit, that are emotionally broken, and you give them the solution, which is the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's here with you now. And may I throw in one more thing. Can you understand that when you are part of this, corporately we stand for something, even though we are made of, of individuals? Are you such a part of this? You have such a conviction and revelation of this that you are able to say to those poor, come, there's a haven for you. Where they worship God the way it should be. Where they read His Word with high regard. Where they pursue His Spirit continually. Where they love one another, even if it's not comfortable.